Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, hello. How y'all doing? Hey, good to see ya. Hey, thanks for coming. Uh, we're going to invite our ushers to come forward to give an offering together. Um, that's, that's something that we do as a, kind of a, 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 standard, a standard thing, but um, can, something maybe not standard. Can I get, ask you guys if you, I know we already prayed like at the end of worship, but I, I felt like as we were singing together that um, we all needed to pray kind of holding our hands out. You ever hold your hands out like this? Because I had a horrible week. It was horrible. I don't know if, and I hope that you had a great week. But I know that for some of us, we need to pray and have our hands out because we need God to take something away from us. And for some of us, we need to have our hands out because we need God to put something in them. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for that time of worship together. Thank you for this, this group of people. Thank you for friends on this journey. Thank you for people who know what I'm talking about. Thank you for um, making a way when my negative self says there's no way possible. And you just show up again and again and you say, with me, all things are possible. And so, God, we're just praying that uh, for any of us who need something lifted and taken away from us right now, if we're holding on to something, maybe we've been holding on to uh, a burden of some kind, holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to um, stress, anxiety, worry, fear, stuff that's, that w our hands are all full of that and we can't grab anything good. Lord, we just pray that you would re remove it. Take it from us. You can have it. So we give that to you, Lord, and we pray that as we have those empty hands that you are able to give us whatever gift you want to give. God, if, if some of us in this room haven't ever stepped into our gifting, if we've never experienced a spiritual gift, uh, a, a present from you, Lord, I just pray that you would, you would hand them out. God, that you would give out the gift of wisdom. You would give out the gift of healing. You would give out the gift of speaking in tongues, even. You would give out the gift of interpretation. You would give out the gift of discernment. You would give out the gift of being able to, um, being able to encourage others. Lord, that you would just give out gold. We want our, our hands to be empty so that you can hand out whatever you want and we are ready and able to receive it. And so we pray that in your name, Jesus. We thank you for uh, just the way that you've spoiled us and we give you uh, this offering just in hopes that more people would come to know you, more people would come to know who they really are uh, because you're, you're the one who brings truth. So we just pray that you'd bring your truth. You'd, you'd instill it in us, who we are, what we're for. 
and who you are and what that means for our situation. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you. And we're going to pass those things along. And uh, if you're partnering with us financially, thank you so much. Before I get started uh, any further today, I'm going to invite my friend Christine up to the stage uh, to share something with you. And uh, I like when this kind of stuff goes on, just more people sharing about what they have happening. And here's one of them. Thank you, Ryan. Hey, shalom, shalom. Um, It is great to be here, and it is great to be a member of this church. I love this church. My heart is here, and I'm so grateful to be here. So that's my preliminary. But I'm here to talk about the soup suppers we got coming up. Um, Maybe if you've looked at your program, you've seen that for the next four consecutive Tuesdays, We can fill your, not your hands, but your bellies with soup, and then um, we're going to have some classes afterwards. So this is a concept that I had in a church that I used to go to a long time ago, my OC, and um, this year I wasn't too afraid to try to bring it to our church here. We've got some wonderful partners first. I'm glad our church is not too afraid to let me try it here. And uh, Melissa Schwemberger's going to be heading up the soup part of it. We're partnering with Lavinia, so they'll be doing some of the teachings. And I really would love it if you would all would come. Um, What I was noticing is that there would be a lot more joy if everybody had a good concept of just how much they are loved and how much they are forgiven by God. And so I kind of ran with that as a theme for our four teachings that are coming up. Um, I'm going to have the um, uh, benefit of uh, facilitating on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, so I can tell you that there'll be a lot of talk of Jesus. We'll take communion together. There might be a little teeny bit of bling involved. Um, So that will be this Tuesday. Rose is going to take the lead next Tuesday, Tuesday the 22nd, and she'll be also teaching on love. Pastor Minor from Lavinia is going to teach on the 29th, and Amy Detzel will be sharing her testimony about the forgiveness and how forgiveness has transformed her life on April the 5th. So I hope you all join us. They're all standalone, so if you can't make it one Tuesday, please come a different Tuesday. Um, Soup is served at 6 Teachings at 7. If you can only come for soup, we'd love to have you. If you can only come for the teaching, that's perfect too. So I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. All right, all right. Well, hey, today what we're going to talk about is um, your thing. No, no, I mean maybe some, like, a thing that you have. Maybe you have a lot of things. I'm someone who has many things. The thing in your life, like the thing that um, it, maybe other people would say, well, he's a pretty good guy, but uh, he's got this thing. She's got this thing that she does, right? Do you have a thing? Anybody else? We're going to talk about what's your thing today. Uh, now, in the book of John... Um, in the book of John, 
he is very um, descriptive. John, the way he talks about Jesus and the things that took place in the life of Jesus. Uh, in the book of John, you know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four different Gospels that all tell the same story, essentially. There are a couple variations and a couple different stories in there, but why on earth do we have four different accounts of the same thing happening? Well, because one of them could be easily um, picked apart. One of them, if, if it was just one person telling a story, you could easily say, well, that person's crazy, right? But if there's four people all telling the same crazy story from different viewpoints, it starts to bring a different kind of validity to it. It starts to bring, a, and also different perspective. Uh, and some of us need a different perspective sometimes where you couldn't necessarily go, maybe you couldn't go to a church that, uh, where uh, they wear a suit and tie um, because they talk in a certain way and have a certain perspective. Um, you're more uh, these kind of, our kind of people, <laughs> right? Now, John is the one who is, uh, he's very flowery with his language. He's very, um, like, descriptive and lovey-dovey, and um, we're not going to read out of John right now. We're going to read out of the other one. We're going to read out of Mark, who is actually kind of the one who's like, this guy, I mean, I don't know what kind of personality you are, but Mark is not a feeler. He's not a feely kind of guy. He is a, um, here's the basic information. Let's give it to you as fast as we possibly can. It's the shortest gospel of all the four. And um, this is, we're going to jump into the story right after a really, 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 really busy day has taken place. Um, for some context, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus has just fed 4,000 people. It says 4,000 men, and so we believe that uh, you, could, you could triple that number with women and children. They were only counting the men uh, for whatever reason. I'm sure when Jesus was multiplying food, he probably counted the women as well. 4,000 men, and it says that he fed them with seven loaves of bread and a few fish. Uh, Further in the story, after this miracle takes place, Jesus then comes across a man who is in need of healing from blindness, and so he spits <laughs> on the man's eyes. That's gross. But it heals him of his blindness. He says, the people, they look like they look like trees. And so Jesus did it again until he could see all the way. And so these miracles that are going on in, in this chapter, they end up leading to a, a guy named Peter declaring that Jesus is the Messiah. A lot of things have happened in Mark chapter 8. So we're going to jump into Mark chapter 9. It says, after six days... Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led him up to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured. He was transfigured before them. His clothes became 
dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could ever bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say because they were so frightened. Uh, also, this just reminded me of a, uh, uh, a joke. Um, there was a, a man on a desert island, and um, somebody finally saw him after he'd been trying to, he, he spelled out messages on the beach to SOS, please save me, yada, yada. And finally, uh, he was um, seen, and a rescue boat came to pick him up. And when they got there, it was just one guy, but there were three huts on the beach. And uh, they said, well, what are the, the three huts for? And he says, well, um, one of them is my house, and the other one is my church. And they said, well, what's that third one? And he says, oh, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> that's a dumb joke. <laughs> Verse 7, then a cloud appeared. A cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, and it said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Uh, multiple times in Scripture, Jesus will tell people not to say anything uh, for a little while because he wasn't ready to let the cat out of the bag. He was not ready to spill the beans. Um, and if he started, um, if, he st if people knew about miracles that were taking place, it was going to kind of fast forward the process and it wasn't going to work out in the right time frame. And so he said, hey, hey, calm it down. Uh, at the wedding, when Jesus' mom is saying, my son Jesus, this wine issue that you're having is no problem at all for my son Jesus. He can do all kinds of, this kid. And he says, mom, shh. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. And so the, the story we just read about is called the transfiguration. The transfiguration. It's a unique miracle that... Uh, where someone is able to completely change form into a more beautiful spiritual state. And Jesus has a transfiguration in front of a few of his, his closest guys. It says, verse 14, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. And so immediately, this is the story where Jesus is, uh, they, they come down off of the mountain, this incredible uh, experience. Have you ever had that before where you have an incredible experience with God or an incredible experience, just whatever, in your life? And you're like, you just came down off the mountain, and you're like, oh, my God, everything is so good. And right, right as you're getting down, there's people arguing, and there's like something, like you, you open the mailbox, and it's full of poop. 
Like, do you know what I'm saying? Where instantly your mountaintop experience is completely, it's just ruined. And so all of a sudden, your story that you had, your excitement that you had, your momentum that you had is stolen. This happens even to Jesus. He says, what are you arguing with them about? What, what is going on? He rolls up on a messy situation from the mountaintop incredible experience. Verse 17, it says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. But they could not. Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. It seizes him. It throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. What's going on right now in this story is that the the devil has done something that the devil does. Um, the only thing that the devil ever does is steal or kill or destroy something. And so those are kind of his, his areas of, of expertise. Verse 19, Jesus says, You unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Jesus is fed up. And I'm guessing Jesus is fed up because he just had an incredible experience on the mountaintop. And before he's even able to get to the bottom of the hill, there, people are throwing fits. He says, you unbelieving generation, how long... Shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the Spirit, it says, when the Spirit saw Jesus, this bad spirit that's in this boy, when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. See, the thing about that is that I just think this is really interesting because um, there's an impure spirit of some kind inside this, this boy. And as soon as the spirit sees Jesus, it freaks out. It freaks out. You know why? Because anything that is intimidating you is intimidated by Jesus. Anything that's intimidating you, anything that you're afraid of, anything that you're worried about, you're scared of, you're not sure about, you're frightened of, if you're frightened of demons, like that's, that's one of the things that we, we need to kind of get acquainted with and, and know that um, we don't need to be afraid of that. I'm not afraid of the dark. The dark's afraid of me. Um, and so anything that is intimidated, anything that's intimidating you is intimidated by Jesus. 
Verse 21 says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Which, what, what, which one is it? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. It's both, because a lot of times it's both. Isn't it? It's okay to be both. It's okay to um, admit that it's both. That I have enough faith, and no, I don't. The thing that gets so many Christians in trouble is where they get to a point of saying, um, well, I have enough faith, and that becomes the story that they have to have all the time. And when they're in a place where they're not having enough faith, or they're having some type of a crisis or something where God is not coming through for them, they immediately start blaming themselves and saying, if, I, if only I had enough faith, if only I prayed more, if only I were more well-versed in the Bible. Now, some of those things could be true. Yes, you, you, might, it, you would certainly be better off if you knew more Scripture, if you prayed more, that kind of thing. But I need you to hear and know, just hear and know that it's okay to believe and need to overcome your unbelief. It says, when Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and it came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him to his feet and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? Why, why couldn't we do it? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. This kind can only come out by prayer. Um, some kinds can only come out by conversation with people. Some kinds can only come out by uh, worship and soaking in it. Some kinds can only come out by you taking on your authority and telling the thing to leave. I know that I'm talking about some, cre some creepy kind of strange stuff right now, but if you've ever gotten a weird feeling um, and you felt like uh, maybe there was something spiritual going on that you did not like, um, I'm going to say you were probably correct and you should trust your gut, and there's probably some work to be done if you're afraid. Uh, because, again, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. The dark is afraid of you. 
because anything that is intimidating you is intimidated by Jesus. And so um, sometimes I've had experiences where I've had to say out loud, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. And so also when I get a creepy feeling and it's just dark, uh, I've talked about this for, I used to be super afraid of the dark, like just afraid of the dark outside. Like you have to run, you know, you have to run to your car late at night and you go, you do that run, man, I always did that run until I didn't have to do that run because I'm like, man, I'm not afraid of the dark. The dark's afraid of me. And so if there's a creepy feeling, a weird thing, a, a, a thing, you know, I, <laughs> one of the things for sure for me, um, if, you're, if you're new around here, um, I have lots of things wrong with me. Um, that's okay. But um, in the mental illness department, um, I was having, uh, at different times, uh, seeing things in the peripheral vision. Uh, seeing shadows move all the time, seeing uh, what looked like heat waves when there wasn't heat waves around, and just seeing things that seemed like they weren't supposed to be there. I knew that some of them were some things going on in my brain, and sometimes I just didn't know, but if I had that feeling, I I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus right now. Jesus says, this kind can only come out by prayer. So, a father brings his boy to Jesus, uh, kind of immediately adds drama to... um, you know, it was, it was a good, we were having a good day. Now people were yelling and arguing about stuff. But the dad says, you see, Jesus, the, my boy, he's got this thing, this thing. He's got this thing that, he's, that we're dealing with. I don't even know. What the, and he says, it's an impure spirit. It's a this. Um, he, he, he's got this thing that we, we don't know what to do. We've tried everything. Do you have a thing that you've been trying to work on forever and you feel like you've tried everything? At all? You know, some people are like, I I tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. (laughs) Like, that's what I deal with a lot when I'm talking to people. I'm like, well, what have you done? They're like, They, they take a long time to explain that they've done nothing. They've tried nothing and they're all out of ideas. That thing, though, that you have, whatever that thing is for you, and it could be a lot of different, it could be so many different things. It could be never having enough money. Maybe that's your thing. That you're always paycheck to paycheck. And, like, uh, you know, growing up, um, we had to go to, like, check cashing places constantly. That was just our life. Um, Every week was never having enough money. Maybe your thing is always being late. Like, and always being late has messed up all kinds of stuff for you in your life. Maybe your thing is feeling unworthy. 
Like, that you don't feel worthy of, of anything. That you don't feel worthy of, of any good thing. You don't feel worthy of forgiveness. I talk to people in this room. I know, I know so many. I know too many of you, unfortunately, in this room who are believers who have given your life to Jesus and you still struggle with whether or not you are saved. You're saved. You can't lose it. You can't give it away. You can't accidentally mess up so much that they take it from you. You can't let it expire. You are saved, healed, delivered. I mean, if you are struggling with, uh, yeah, but I, I'm kind of a bad, but uh, read the Bible. We're all struggling with stuff. That's the whole point of Jesus dying on a cross so that he could pay for things that you couldn't afford. Sorry. There's a kid I was texting with this past week, a high school kid who uh, is getting bullied super hard online. And I just asking about what what it's about and it's all about God stuff that uh, he's bringing things up about uh, about God and then bullies are saying things about that he's he's done too many bad things and that he's going to burn in hell and that this is going to happen and this is going to and just worried about his the assuredness of his salvation and I had to go through the whole thing that he, uh, the whole thing that he can't lose it. You can't lose it. You can't give it away. You can't sell it. You can't have it taken from you. You can't forfeit it. You can't unearn it. You can't do enough bad things to where it doesn't count anymore. You can't, you, you can't reason your way out of it. That's what everybody tries to do. They say, well, yeah, but what about if, um, I mean, I keep, I keep sinning. Uh, Yeah. What, did you think that was going to stop? We're hoping that you, like, you know, start to bring that down. But yeah, you're going to sin. You're going to mess up. You're still saved. If you've given your life to Jesus. That's an important part. If you haven't done that, we should talk after class. No, but really, there, there's, no, there's no crazy special way to give your life to Jesus. Um, it's, it says in his word that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 3, that all of us are sinners. Even if you feel like you're a pretty good person, trust me, you aren't. You probably aren't. You've probably had horrible thoughts. You've probably done things that you're not proud of. And if you're comparing yourself against God's standard of perfection, we just don't make it. We don't, we're not able to make it there. And so, it says in John chapter 3, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved the world... God so loved you, you, 
you, you, you. God so loved you that he gave his son and that if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. All you have to do is believe. You believe that he died on a cross and that it was for you. And a spiritual, supernatural thing takes place. And you're a believer now. And you're given salvation. Whatever that thing is, he says, oh, my, son, my son's got this thing, Jesus. You got to check this out. I gotta, I, we don't know what to do. Whatever your thing is, if it's weird sex stuff, that could be your thing. If your thing is drug abuse, uh, if it is like boiling anger, if it is um, that you always sabotage relationships, um, whatever your thing is, that you don't have any friends, like and you don't know why you can't keep friends, that thing exists in all of our lives, whether it's us personally or somebody close close enough to us that kind of spoils our, you know, like how a bad apple spoils the whole bunch. Like it actually, it actually spreads to it, the rot. Some of you live with bad rotten apples at home, right? And it's hard. It's hard to not get spoiled. It's hard to not get hit with some of that, that spiritual shrapnel sometimes from somebody else's stuff. Anyways, back in Mark chapter 9, in the beginning, um, there's a situation. It says at the beginning of our story, it was after six days. After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John and yada, yada. Um, there's multiple places in Scripture where it says after six days. It's, a, it's one of those weird little things that is somewhat important, but six days after another mess, there's a story about the Ten Commandments, a story about Moses. Jesus' transfiguration is paralleled by Moses' experience in the book of Exodus when Moses went up to the mountain uh, to receive those Ten Commandments. Moses was met there by God. Both of them encountered God on a mountain uh, then they came back down to find people who were in rebellion and disciples who didn't have any faith. Exodus chapter 32, it says this. This is in the Old Testament, before Jesus was even walking around. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Moses' reaction was to, uh, you know, so he comes down from the mountain and people are in rebellion and they're arguing and they're pointing fingers at each other. And Moses' solution is to kill them all, to get rid of them. Jesus' reaction 
And this is one of the things about Jesus. This is one of the things where some of you might have to admit that you've been living in an Old Testament way because you want justice and people to die at certain times or, or what, what have you. Um, that's what Moses did in the Old Testament. Jesus, his reaction is to heal and to restore. It's to heal and restore people. And what the law in Moses was powerless to do, God did through Jesus to bring life and to bring healing and to bring salvation to everyone who believes in him. There was a mess in the valley while Jesus was on the mountain. But God isn't intimidated by messy situations. Whenever you're dealing with, some of you might be in a valley right now, right? A valley of some kind. You're dealing with something in the valley. You can lift your eyes to Jesus, who is above. And the thing that's really, really great is being able to know that he, he's full of power and mercy and all that. But he's also willing to come down to us and heal us. He's willing to come down to us. You don't have to get yourself straightened out and like, well, maybe I'll be able to, to make it to him if I, if I, you know, I brush my teeth and I... <sighs> Jesus is the one who comes down to the valley. That's a good song always. I lift my eyes unto the hill. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That thing the, that the father of this boy told Jesus that his son had been that way since childhood, it's likely that he had tried lots of other healers before, lots of other, um, you know, it, at the time that Jesus was walking around, there were a lot of people doing magic of different varieties. There were all sorts of different things. But the man says to Jesus, I brought my son to you, but he hadn't actually. He brought his son to the disciples, right? The dad said, I brought my son to you, but he hadn't. He brought his son to Jesus' disciples. Not to Jesus. Is it possible maybe for you? Is it possible that maybe you think you've brought something to Jesus when actually you just brought it to church? Like, have you ever thought that you brought something to Jesus and maybe now are able to recognize that you actually just brought it to church? Because that is not the same thing. And are you bringing something to Jesus? Are you actually okay with, um, you know, because it's, it's your living room in the middle of the night and sometimes you're bawling your eyes out. I would say if that's going on, you might be bringing something to Jesus. <laughs> Maybe you think that you've prayed about something, but you've only thought about it a whole bunch. Like, well, I've been praying about it. No, you've been thinking about praying about it. Like, you haven't been actually praying about it. That would be bringing it to Jesus. Um, but you've been thinking about it a lot. You've been obsessing about it a lot. You've been, any of you, in the circular thinking stuff? And it's like all day long. And it's, oh, we're back here again. Oh, this is horrible. Whatever that thing is for you, 
I would. I know that. I know that this could sound um, uh, easier said than done. But we have to bring it to Jesus, not to religion. We have to bring it to Jesus, not to other people. We need to bring it to Jesus, not just to a church. We have a, a ministry here called Sozo, that um, is a very in-depth ministry that the those who serve in it have been highly trained. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing that incredible things happen during. Uh, Sozo is a, it's a deeper like prayer and interview kind of process where if you were to sign up for a Sozo, and Sozo is a, I think it's a Hebrew word, um, S-O-Z-O, and it means saved, healed, and delivered. It's a, a four-letter word that means a lot. But a sozo is basically where you would, you would sit down with two or three other people who are trained, and they would just ask you some questions about, so what is it that you're having trouble with? What are you, what are you stuck on? Are you stuck on something? Do you have that thing? That thing. And they would walk you through a process of trying to invite God to speak the truth over that thing. Because a lot of us, the thing instantly, instantly gets healed when God speaks the truth over it. And sometimes it has to be spoken from another person. Sometimes it has to be, I don't know why this is, but I could say something a hundred times, and then uh, my wife says it to someone, and they go, dink, it clicks. I'm like, oh, you said it in a different way. How would you say it? But sozos are where you bring that thing to Jesus, and he transforms your heart by dealing with the real thing that's hiding underneath of the thing. Like, the real thing that's hiding under the ne- underneath of the thing. Um, what I mean is, a lot of times, the, the battle that you're currently fighting right now, uh, it might be a surrogate battle. Um, have you ever seen, like, the guy at a little league game, and he's screaming at the ref at the top of his lungs, and you're like, what the? <laughs> like, is this guy for real? Um, no, he's got something else going on. He's got something else going on. It's a surrogate battle he's fighting right now screaming at that ref but there's a thing beneath the thing what's the thing beneath the thing and so a surrogate is just a substitute it's like a a deputy or a pinch hitter somebody exploding over something silly and you're like what is happening he what is and so you might be in a place where you're still fighting the surrogate battle and you don't know what the real thing is like you don't know what the real thing is I've been in therapy figuring out what the real things are. It's been super fun. But the spirit that was in this boy, it says it would seize him, throw him to the ground, it would rob him of speech. We need to ask ourselves, what is it that seizes us? What debilitates us? What robs us? That doubt that you have or that memory, that bitterness that fear, maybe that pride, that thing, anything. The Father said to Jesus, if you can do anything, you know, if you could just, 
help a brother out. If you can do anything, if you can do anything, just take pity and help us. And I love this dad and this story. I identify with him. Um, there's nothing like being helpless for your kids when your kids need help and just feeling like I'll do anything that I can, uh, anything. I'll take anything that you can spare. If you are able to get my son 10% better than he is, I'll take that because that would be so much for us. He's so bad. 10% better, just better for today even. And so this dad is begging for scraps at this point. He's begging for scraps. He's in that survival kind of desperation mode. Uh, we often come to God in this kind of place. We, we come to God to try to get relief from something, and we look to anything that will just numb our pain just for a second. And we say, God, just anything that you can do, anything, but anything is pitiful. Anything is pitiful, and it's not the language that Jesus speaks. Everything is what Jesus speaks. So it's not just anything, everything. Jesus' response is, if you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And the father cried out, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And so Jesus commands the spirit out of this boy and he's healed. And the father's thing was that he wanted his son to be healed. But Jesus was more interested in healing the father's unbelief. Before God gives us the thing that we want, he wants to, to give us the thing that we really, really need. 2 Kings chapter 5, it says, Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. This is a story about lepers. We won't get into all of it. It says, But Naaman went away angry, and he said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, that he would wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, fun name, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and he went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and he said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man, uh, the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. God wants to get to the thing that is beneath the thing. Um, when we really bring our stuff to Jesus, whatever it is, um, he wants to change our hearts uh, to be able to heal any unbelief that we have or any lack of faith that we have, any issues with pride that we have. Um, it wasn't when the, the father brought his son to Jesus that Jesus healed this boy. It was when the father finally said it. He finally said it out loud, help my unbelief, right? When he spilled the beans. When he, that was the real confession. Help my unbelief. God doesn't want to just do anything for us. He wants to do everything in us. We'll close with Romans 8. 
It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, you won't relent until you have it all. You don't want just a little piece of what we have. You want everything we have to offer. That everything, all of our fears, all of our worries, all of our, our doubt, our shame, our guilt, the stuff that we think we're not allowed to say to you, you want all that stuff. You want everything. Lord, I just pray that you would bring us to a place where we trust you with all of our stuff. Any of us who are holding on to a thing right now, that thing that we can't get past, maybe it's time to sign up for a sozo. Maybe it's time to actually do something about it instead of pretend to have done something about it. Because you... You won't relent until you have it all. And having it all means we get freedom and hope and just an exciting adventure. We say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for meeting us on the top of the mountain and way down in the valley. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.